Welcome to Biteside. I am Seamus Byrne. I am at PAX. And guess who else is at PAX? It's Nick Healy. I am at PAX. I'm so excited. I had to miss last year and I'm actually back and it's been great. Yeah, because it was right in the kind of thick of the big shift to ABC and you being in Perth. It was a hard trip. Well, not not just Perth, Carrasa, let's be honest. So I did look into my tickets last year. I was like, I'm going to come down. This is going to be a blast. It's going to be so much fun. $1,800 $1,800 return from Carrasa <laughs> to Melbourne. I'm, like, I'm not coming to PAX. Yeah. Like, That's expensive, even if I'm sleeping on somebody's floor. Exactly. <laughs> but this year has been great. I got down here. I've been here two nights. And guess what I have not done, Seamus? Guess what I have not had a chance to do? Apart from sleep? Apart from sleep. <laughs> I have not set foot on the show floor yet. I've gone from <laughs> panel to panel to panel and not actually walked into the show. Yeah. And I'm going to do that straight after we stop doing this. And I just can't wait to see what's there. But the panels this year, I think, have been particularly interesting. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, yeah, quite clearly, I can only imagine you've kind of shouted out to a bunch of people going, I'm coming this year um, if you want to be on any panels. <laughs> and then there's like 12 people going, so yeah, hey, I've got a panel. I thought I was going to have a really quiet one, and I did, <laughs> I did four panels from midday onwards yesterday and was just absolutely wrecked afterwards. But really inventive stuff. So a good friend of mine, Maurice, um, who I met many, many years ago yes. when she was working with Triple J and Dr. Carl, now oh, wow. designs escape rooms. Because, yeah, I, I knew Maurice back in the next media day yeah, as a graphic yeah. designer there. And yeah. I'd met her a bit earlier yeah. than that. So <laughs> when I um, had gate crashed a Triple J Christmas party one year. Um, and now Maurice now does something called the Cypher Room. And I think it's really, been important and really clever the way PAX has kind of incorporated escape room gaming into the overall gaming kind of... And last night what we did was we had two enthusiasts, Ben Jenkin from Dragon Friends and um, Anna Lissado who actually blogs about escape rooms. She's done 235 escape rooms. Oh my God. Oh my God. So I can only imagine, I I always hear that Budapest is the place. It is the place apparently. Um, She's been all around the world doing it. And we had three creators of escape rooms as well. And we just kind of talked about what immersion means for that, how, you know, how you run the risk of certain puzzles, throwing people out, even things. One of the designers, I think it was Josh, and I think he's the Canberra based designer. Sorry, Josh, you might be the Melbourne one. I think it is Melbourne. My apologies. He's got an escape room that uses temperature. So at one point, wow. it starts to cool down significantly. Yeah. And that's when a timer starts. You've got 10 minutes of that cold, cold timing. And that's how you know that it's come to that. Now, wow. I haven't played it, but I love that. And we were talking about how that immersion doesn't have to be a tactile thing or a visual thing, but there can be so many other ways of doing it. It was just fascinating to get everyone's opinion on it. Yeah. Well, I remember when we did an escape room together in Sydney that there was a thing where we had to smell... I talked about cups, that in the panel. Yeah. We had to smell the gut and it was ammonia we were trying to smell. Did you smell it? No. no I didn't <laughs> smell it either. I couldn't smell it. So, yeah. But it's funny to think, like, we did that when escape rooms were very unusual. I think we only knew the one or the two that were yeah, happening. Yeah, there weren't many in Sydney at all. At, at all. Point, yeah. And now, of course, it's huge. Yeah. One of the things that fascinates me about escape rooms is you are, and I cannot think of another media, medium rather, or media, that um, works this way. It can only be played once. Yeah. You can only consume an escape room once for the full experience. And that's really weird because so much goes into it. So it's like, when do you retire an escape room? Yeah. Right. Because, yeah, I can only imagine they'd slowly sort of get stats and that sense of, okay, 
like we've kind of saturated yeah. a certain level of the market of people who would come and now it might be time to rotate something. Or, but it, yeah. it's also watching that industry mature and change. Because, yeah. you know, the stuff we went and saw, we did when we first did it, what was it called, Enigma Room? Yeah, yeah. It was great. Yeah. But it was very, you know, early stages. They were talking about an escape room in New York where at one point there's a bomb in the back of a taxi. Now, you have to hop into the back of a van and when you get back out... That taxi has exploded. It has burst open, glass everywhere. Oh, my God. Now, the way they do that is, of course, there's two rooms. And when you're in the van, the van is rotating so slowly you don't, you don't feel even notice. it. So when you oh get out, God. you're in the other room. <laughs> now, that's not only clever there. They can then have another team coming into the other room. So they're doubling the amount of people who are going through the escape Yeah, room. that is amazing design. How clever that's is like, that? That's like Disneyland queuing levels of design okay i've not been to disneyland tell me about the queuing so yeah like they have the whole system where they know that okay this queue is going to be you know two hours because everybody wants to go on this ride but so they'll have stages through that queue where it's like well there's whole entertainment experiences while you're just standing in lines you know and so there'll be like videos and there'll be like interactive kind of weird things with like you know 3po and r2d2 are talking to you about something or and like it's just all these stages and they design in a way that means you can't see around the next corner. So you sort of have that sense of like, oh, yeah, yeah, the queue isn't much further. And then you like turn the next, oh. Oh, it's much <laughs> further. Now, that R2-D2 thing just reminded me, I know I saw you in the front row of the Great Debate yesterday. Yeah, that was uh, great. The amount of D&D great. in the world at the uh-huh. moment is too damn high. Yep. Dave Callan talking about the uh, Star Wars audio book where you had to turn the page. <laughs> yeah. You remembered that, didn't you? I could 100%. see you nod, and so did I. I could, I could remember the little noise that R2-D2 makes when it has to turn the page. Oh, my God. That was just hilarious. Yeah. What a it was shared a really, experience. Yeah, and it was a really fun session. Yeah, so I'm here this year with my kids, first time, um, completely changed my sort of perspective on the show. In, in one of the big ways, it's even just been the fact that, like, I wouldn't normally um, – I wouldn't normally queue up to play a game no. because I'm just like, well, I'll get to access things soon because that's just part of my job. <laughs> um, here with the kids, they're like, they want the bragging rights on Monday when they go and see their friends to be able to go, I played Minecraft Dungeons, which is not going to be available for a while. You know, so it's like I got to play it before anybody else and I get to now say what I thought of it and how cool it was. So they queued up three times to play Minecraft wow. Dungeons. Um, and yeah, just. But it's that, you know, normally I'd look at people sometimes and think, why would you queue? And it's like, well, yeah, because that's the thing they care about the most here at the show. And that's one of the great things about the show is that everybody does the thing that they care about most. Um, but yeah, jumping back to the great debate, it meant, you know, I'm there with the family and it's great because, you know, uh, Oscar and Emily are sort of total young D&D nerds now, you know. And so it's funny when it's like, you know, they did a show of hands for a while of like, how many campaigns are people in right now? Uh, and I think in our family now, there's at least three campaigns, <laughs> maybe a fourth, depending on you know, if, if you added all of them up, because there's different people now playing with different friend groups. Um, but it was that great thing for them to kind of watch, you know, to come to something like PAX, where again, I think they're both really lucky. They've got a great bunch of nerdy friends at their schools, but it's still really special to come some, come to something like this and watch, you know, adults on stage who love the same things that they love and and deep dive into all this stuff. There was even a moment when um, my son was in a queue and he kind of saw somebody behind him who was had some badge on that, and I didn't recognize it, but it's something he's played some web browser game. And, and he just turned around and kind of went, oh, hey, blah, 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 blah. 
And I just love that he was so comfortable to chat. And then here's these two 20-somethings who are also like, oh, cool. This kid likes the same stuff we do. So let's just talk about which ones have been played. In a normal way. If, uh, yeah, just people enjoying stuff. Yeah. It's really funny. I go back to the first PAX that was in Melbourne that you and I went to mm. um, before it was here. Where it was the showgrounds. showgrounds. Yeah. And I, look, at the time, I just didn't understand cosplay. Like, it was just, I was like, I don't get it. I don't get why people invest all this time into it. I don't understand what it's meant to be doing. And I saw a whole bunch of people. I think they were dressed as League of Legends characters. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. they saw each other, two groups. So dressed, you know, multiple people in the same character. And they ran towards each other. Clearly didn't know each other, but ran towards each other to gush over the effort they'd put into each other's outfits. Yeah. And I was like, okay, maybe I do get it now. That's actually really lovely. Yeah. And so uh, M today has come as Deet from... The new Dark Crystal series. Oh my god! Uh, last night, uh, she and Sal put in some work to to get this uh, cosplay sorted out. And like, you know, first thing this morning, I already, you know, that she's like, oh, yeah, someone's already come up and said that they really, really like it. And so she's just gushing because she's like, yes, somebody likes my cosplay. Um, and again, I think when we were first coming down, you know, the costume wasn't quite finished. Uh, I think she's a bit nervous about the whole thing, but then. She's wandered around for two days, seeing hundreds of people in cosplay, and yeah. it's like, yeah, I want to do that. <laughs> and the cosplay is great. And what I love is some of it's really simple. A lot of Untitled Goose Game cosplay this year, and I'm really happy to <laughs> yeah. see it. Really happy to see it. Um, you know, this is what PAX has always nailed, is that intersection of ages and punter versus, you know, uh, industry. But, you know, one of the great things about PAX has always been watching dads and mums wander around with their kids and have a shared experience together. Yeah. And I think there's that, you see sort of the two different sides of it. You absolutely see, you see the parents who, um, who they're sort of seeing for the first time that there is this whole world out there that the kid <laughs> loves and that there's all these other people that share that passion. Um, and then there's the folks like me who it's like going, all right, Come on, let's uh, let's indoctrinate you into this magical world. <laughs> Going to show you a little bit about what Dad does with his life. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have basically officially been told that I am never allowed to come by myself again. Fine, um, done. Yeah, and it's just like okay. I really hope it continues to fall inside New South Wales school holidays because that made it a lot easier. Um, and yeah, it would be trouble if I'm like, sorry, kids, uh, that just doesn't happen anymore. That would be very gutting. Yeah. You don't want to do that. But look, I thought. I'll mention a couple of things that I've played on the show floor because, and look, it's always about the indie stand, really. Yeah, always. Um, it is just, you know, again, it's like all the AAA stuff. Um, you know, we see the trailers all the time. We see sort of so much about it. Uh, so it's not necessarily the thing that you kind of want to devote all that much time to um, because, yeah, I'm going to hear plenty more about that. But some of those indie things you're like, I won't, Probably never going to see this thing again until next year because you're not quite sure how long it's going to take. Um, but even then, it's like some of it will end up being the kind of weird little thing on Steam. One thing that I've seen over the last few years um, is called Projection. I feel like Projection First Light maybe, but it's, it is, uh, it's now on Apple Arcade, which is lovely. Oh. So it's an Aussie game based on like Balinese Shadow Puppets. Oh, God, yeah, I've seen that a couple yeah. of years ago. It was incredible. And so, yeah, it came out just in the last, like, basically alongside the launch of Apple Arcade. It was that cool thing of going, yeah, this is the kind of game where it's not made to be a, you know, a, a cash cow no. of microtransactions. It's just a beautiful puzzle game that, you know, you'll sort of work your way through. Um, so uh, it's such a great fit for that to sort of land on the Apple Arcade store. Um, but, yeah, this sort of here again, but now finally going, yep, and you can get the game. Um, 
the biggest one I think for my uh, for my daughter in particular is she like because again it's one of those games she just kept going back to um, is a wonderful punny game called Snow Mercy. Love it. Um, and it is basically like the best description I can think of is a you know, cute little snowman, um, but it is like a uh, sort of tower. No, it's not tower defense. It's more like first person StarCraft, but it's snowmen. Um, you run around, you kind of collect ice blocks. That's your resource to then make more snowmen. And then you assign those snowmen a job, you know, so it'll be like, okay, you defend the base, you attack another base or you defend me. And by building up those units, then you prepare to go and kill other people's bases. And it's like, it, it was, it was funny watching it click for because she loves Starcraft. And so suddenly it was like, she kind of realized what it was as well. And then, yeah, just watching her kind of go, yeah, okay, great. Resource management. Well, I can do this now. Dun, 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 dun. Um, and it was that lovely thing of watching her also just completely um, form this relationship with the devs because they were then, when, you know, the third time she came back, suddenly they're like, okay, this kid is really loving our game. And she's 11, but she's destroying other people. <laughs> <laughs> so they're then like, that's great. So at one point, there were these three other guys who'd apparently been really into it as well. And like they actually kind of said to them, like, you don't have to go easy on them. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like, so cool. Yeah, that's nice. That's really um, cool. So, yeah, so that was kind of a big one for her. Um, and it's like couch co-op. That's the other thing. It's, so it's like the four screens. So it is that kind of game where it is about just kind of having some fun. It's kind of fast and, and loose like that. I think um, the the other one that uh, she had a great moment with, uh, and the name slipped me, um, it's like this robotic game. Kind of remember in Tron, yeah, the like the disc game where you yep. knock out the floor tiles. Yeah, yep, yep, so yep, this yep. is like a hexagonal thing, and you're robots, and you're shooting rockets at each other. Uh, and you know, if you shoot out the floor, then like you want your opponents basically to fall through the floor, and that's how you win a round. Or you can do enough damage to them that that'll knock them out. Um, but she had this great moment where she's sort of talking to the dev and saying, "So, how exactly does the damage work?" And so, she's, oh, it does a bit of damage, or or it destroys the floor section. And she's like, "But does it do knockback?" And, like, these are rockets. And the dev literally went, no. But it should, shouldn't it? It should. I'm just going to write that down. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, I have the power to influence games. (laughs) There is a QA career waiting for her. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Can I give a shout-out to Chorus, a musical adventure from Summerfall Games. Yes. David Gator, Liam, who we know and love and has been very, very good to us over the years. I am proud to be backer number 1,725 on FIG. Brilliant. I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah. And I so pre-show, I, I did an interview with David Gator. Um, that'll come out soon on another show that's launching very, very shortly. <laughs> um, but you had it's just spare a, time. Sure. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's just a good deep dive chat with him about sort of everything he's done and sort of what's you know this whole why are you starting a studio in Melbourne? Yeah, um, but a oh, lovely guy, and it is it's so, it's so great to kind of look at this idea of creating something that has that whole kind of epic quality of a big adventure game, but then having a completely different genre vibe attached to it which just hasn't really been done i'm really excited for it i think it's gonna be a load of fun and i just i have a lot of faith in what david can write you know he's created some of my most lasting and favorite characters yeah and so how was that panel 
where you did have a bit of a debate about the greatest. It was a very interesting one. It was on GameSpot Theatre, uh, Jess McDonnell uh, organising it. It was basically a bracket game where we had to rank love interests from Bioware games against each other. <laughs> now, very disappointingly, Erdnot Rex did not come to the fore. He did not win. Oh. But you know who won? And I'm still horrified by this. Iron Bull from Dragon Age Inquisition. Ah. Uh. No, no, I was the only person who voted against him. But it was fun, and it was hilarious to have David there, who could occasionally go, well, I created that character, so I'm going to have to vote for Dorian. (laughs) And you're like, this was rigged. It's fair, it's fair, no, it's fine. Um, But yeah, yeah, like I think that's that's the other thing with PAX, is you can have fun, fast panels like that, where everyone's having a ride of a time, or you can have some really smart, thoughtful, long panels that aren't a riot, but they are coming up with some amazing ideas, getting some really important things out there. Yeah. And um, look, yeah, one of the things I did yesterday, I moderated a panel on um, the whole idea of, you know, do you have what it takes for esports, you know, and kind of raising that question of, you know, I had um, Jocelyn Brewer, who's a a teacher and child psychologist. Um, We had Andrew Kinch, who runs this program called Game Aware, which is really about sort of helping people to kind of get great value from games without sort of losing themselves in games. Um, he sort of has a bit of a like sports background and really sort of ha- tries to bring that feeling of you know, building objectives around the way you play if you want to sort of pursue games. Uh, and then uh, uh, Brandon Defina, who is the manager of Gravitas, who is one of the League of Legends teams, and he's a former pro player as well. And so we really explored the whole thing of, you know, for whether it's for... Uh, young folks themselves, whether it was for sort of families to think about, okay, when you're trying to shift out of just playing games because you like playing games and stepping into the idea that you want to really pursue excellence in games, you know, how does that shift things and how do you make sure you don't just kind of go, well, if I just play more, I'm, I'm going to be get better. better. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was a really fun chat. That would be really interesting. I've followed Jocelyn's work for quite a while now and her work on the idea of digital nutrition. Don't yeah. think of it as just the amount, but think about the quality of what you're consuming is incredibly important. Yeah. And I think during the Q&A session, um, yeah, she and Andrew were amazing, actually, because there were definitely a few curly questions, you know. And, um, you know, one lovely guy who was talking about sort of his brother having sort of problems with just, you know, like being amazingly good but having school trouble and things. And... Um, and the fact that it had people like that on the panel who could really directly, um, you know, answer sort of just how, you know, the kind of the trickiness around those kinds of, of issues. Um, and, you know, and then at the other end, there was someone sort of say, okay, well, I'm well ranked, but I don't know how to, how to now kind of meet the right people who could help me get into a team. And so that was something that actually Brandon was perfect for. And it was the, you had that lovely thing. And again, it's all panels here, right? That, so many times, you know, you walk outside the door and you see that, you know, for the next like half an hour often, some people who were just on the panel are having just lovely chats. one-on-one chats yeah. with people um, who, you know, maybe they weren't game to get up and ask a question or they did ask something specific and they were like, yeah, we'll, t- we'll talk afterwards. Um, and it's just great in that kind of way that the community really is like, yeah, we're, we're not just here to then run away at the end of the panel, uh, you know, unless you've got some other... Usually a panel in 15 minutes, but yeah. <laughs> But no, yeah, that side of it's been really great. Yeah, it is really good. And I think that's what's important too, is it's connecting people to those experts, to those authorities in a way they wouldn't normally get a chance to chat. Yeah. Um, so what else? Um, I actually, I went to the 
Acquisitions Inc. Call of Cthulhu last night. Oh wow! Went along um, with uh, with my son. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think it was probably the one sort of thing that I've gone to where I went. It wasn't as good as I'd hoped, but I think it points to the idea that like the main takeaway for me wasn't that it was a you know it was a terrible Acquisitions Inc. session. Uh, I think it was just the idea that it's a much harder game to enjoy in a live stage environment. I even think if you're watching it on stream. And you've got kind of, you know, Twitch chat shenanigans yeah. attached to it all in real time. Um, and, yeah, and there's plenty of good live play online games that are like Vampire and are like Call of Cthulhu. But it just felt like in, in the room, it was one of those things where the first hour is really just that slow investigating a room type stuff that is attached to, you know, just slowly revealing this horror that is lurking behind the, the Eldritch scene. horror. <laughs> so the final hour was kind of really fun. And it and it was one of those fabulous Call of, the, Call of Cthulhu games where you know three people basically um, ended up uh, mindless beasts running away on all fours in this horror dimension, uh, while the one of them who kept his sanity is basically left standing there, lost in a horror dimension, holding a gun, and and it's like that's where it ends. You're like, it, it might have been better to have also gone insane, right? Yeah. I love Call of Cthulhu, and I've been actually playing solo recently because some of the new stuff has actually got some solo campaigns. Living where I was in Karathra, I did not have a great community of people to game with. Like, here, let me scare myself silly in the evening on my own. I really loved it. And it's kind of... Look, a lot of it's choose-your-own-adventure. Yeah. But I've got this weird thing where any time I play Call of Cthulhu, I will play a librarian called Paul Carnegie. I just do every single time. He's he's my go-to yep. character. Yep, Paul Carnegie. He's your Indiana Jones. He's my Indiana Jones. He's yep. a librarian. He's not particularly good at anything. <laughs> I decided I'd be going to make him a World War One veteran this time, so that at least he knew how to shoot a gun. Cool. Something he did not get to do for the entire of the solo <laughs> adventure. But it's fun, and I love the fact that these games that I was playing back in the nineties, Vampire, Call of Cthulhu. They're being iterated on. They're coming back yeah. up and they're doing clever stuff because Call of Cthulhu is the only game where beating yourself unconscious with a steering wheel was at times an actual viable and sensible thing to do for your character. <laughs> yeah. And and that's it. I mean, as much as, yeah, I say that as a live experience, it wasn't that great. It's like, yeah, it was still, again, when I walk away from it, you're like, yeah, the, the game itself, it is. It's wonderful um, that that experience is kind of, back in that really nice way and, and and that they've kind of revitalized things like the terra australis can, uh, oh. expansion i saw that they you know showed that that is available again and all which just all those i think there was even an uh an expansion to explore 19th century old west america yes please because the minute you kind of like do the maths and you're like hang on so cthulhu by gaslight is set during cowboy times what <laughs> yeah and then yeah like terra australis bringing in like you know, uh, like dreaming threads and things like this so that suddenly you can kind of explore really sort of, you know, weird dark parts of of native law in countries like Australia. It's just a really cool I'm thing. just trying to remember who wrote Terra Australis. I'm looking at some of the people now. Yes, some of the really big names of Aussie gaming were kind of involved with that. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, what else is there? I think, you know, I, again, like my show has just been so... Have, you know, I, uh, I've been to a bunch of panels, but like not many, but you know, just kind of that carefully selected thread of, yep, this is something that kids want to see as well. Um, 
uh, played a bit of board game action. Lovely. Um, on the first night. That was Have you nice played Blood on the Clock Tower yet? No. Blood on the Clock Tower, it's a good friend of mine's game. Um, Eden and her brother have been working on it for a long, long time. It is basically a game of werewolf, but incredibly more complex and yeah, right. all about deception. It's loads of fun. They got fully kickstarted, cool. fully backed. They just getting it all made now. It is on the show floor now. Um, it's been a blast. So yeah. Blood on the Clock Tower. Blood on the Clock Tower. Cool. I have to look that up. Yeah. Um, I know there's a whole, also, yeah, there's an, a section called the Collaboratory, uh, which I think is partly run by Good Games, the ah. shops. And it's it's an area for basically a whole bunch of like locally produced games to show off through the through the five days of the show. Oh, five days, three days of the show. <laughs> um, I was meant to try to fit in some judging for it, um, but have just been completely snowed with being a dad at the show. Um, and, but, yeah, really great way that they can kind of show off a bunch of stuff. And then one of the nights they did kind of a special uh, session where they had picked out some of the best games from the previous year. Oh. So people could come in and check out how they've evolved over the year because some of them are still in prototype stage, things like that. So, um, again, just such great – and, right, it comes back to that thing we are talking about escape rooms earlier. It's like it's great. Every facet of gaming is here. I think the very, very first time around, it it kind of, it felt like it was a video game show, but that, oh, and there's also board games and stuff here. Whereas I think nowadays that blend, it's just a bit of everything is here and that you can dip into all the aspects that the panels aren't just video game panels. They are about every different part of gaming that people come here to hang out and have a good time with. It's what's incredible about it. And if you like something, you'll find it at PAX. It doesn't matter what you like, but you'll find it here. Yeah. Uh, any other last thoughts? Not off the top of my head, except I am very excited to be playing Vampire the Masquerade in just a couple of hours. I've been told that we will actually be an official prequel to the Penny Arcade Seattle by Night campaign. So nice. we will be canon what happens here, which is <laughs> very nerve-wracking. Um, and it'll just be fun. So, yeah, Melbourne Melbourne by Night, Melbourne Masquerade. Is, is there any uh, – what's your character? I'm not going to say. Oh. But I'm very excited. I'm playing Ventrue, which I love playing. Oh, okay. <laughs> very old guard. Very No, things have to stay exactly how they are. No, 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 we're not changing anything <laughs> Change at all. Change is terrible. Change is terrible. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, thank you, Nick, for carving out this so little fun. bit of extra time. Um, we will be back again very soon uh, off the back of this PAX edition. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Seamus. Uh, Nick? At DR underscore NIC, Dr. Yep. Nick. Uh, all things Biteside can be found at at Biteside. Go to Biteside.com, sign up for the newsletter. Um, and, of course, the podcast will keep coming. Uh, and... No, I thought I was. Uh, no, I thought I was going to ask something, and then I'm like, no, no I can't cool. think of anything. Yeah, it's cool. um, <laughs> <laughs> have a great time, and we will talk to you again soon.